0: Hey everyone. Welcome back to Staying Connected, a podcast where I talk to other people about their stories with vascular Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or vEDS, which I also have. This is Katie, your host, and today I have Daniel with us who's going to tell us his story with vEDS. Hey Daniel.
1: Hey Katie, how are you?
0: Good. How are you doing? Good, good. Good. I'm so glad that you're sharing your story. I know that you were not you were diagnosed not that long ago. Um so <laughs> Big kudos to you for for getting out there and connecting with people so fast.
1: Thank you. Anything I could do to help.
0: Yeah. So tell me about yourself. What do you do?
1: So um, I manage an IT department for a um, busy Bergen County uh, hospital. Um, I've been doing that for about, I've been there for about eight years. And before that, I was in another hospital uh, doing their IT department. So um, pretty much my entire life, I've been working in IT and healthcare.
0: So when were you diagnosed with vets how did that happen
1: um i was diagnosed around january however i had a um pretty serious event in october of last year i had a uh, abdominal aortic aneurysm um uh, fairly large saccular aneurysm um and during that finding we found um two uh iliac uh, aneurysms and um during the repair we accidentally Caused a additional aneurysm that needed to be embolized in my leg.
0: How did they find that AAA?
1: I was um, I woke up in the middle of the night. Um, I don't want to say severe pain, very bad pain, annoying pain. Um, almost felt like food poisoning. Um, I tried to sleep it off. Uh, being lucky enough to work at a hospital, I figured, you know what, I'm going to go into work a couple hours early. They'll give me some anti-nausea medicine. I I was I was cautious and, and throwing up as well, and uh, said, you know, I'll go in work a little early, they'll give me some pain medicine, some anti nausea medicine, and I'll start my day. Um, got to the ER around 5 o'clock in the morning, um, about an hour in, hour and a half in, I'm like, all right, Mr. Sperry, we'll get you out of here soon, we, you know, it's probably just some food poisoning, your pain went away when we gave you the, the medicine. And then about another 15 minutes later, a nurse came in and started putting leads on me and said, the vascular surgeon saw something he didn't like. He'll be in to explain in a minute. Uh, and that's when he came in and let me know that they found an aneurysm on my cas scan. Um, and we started talking about all the options.
0: Oh, wow. So how did, yeah. that, did they, how did they explain it to you? I mean, did you understand what an aneurysm was before that, working in healthcare? I did.
1: Um, I did a little bit. Um, and when we start um, talking about you know my family, we, you know I, I've I've learned a little bit about aneurysms, uh, but my vascular surgeon was awesome, and he you know he he realized hey maybe I can maybe I can speak guy lingo, and he's like you know when you have a tire and you have a sidewall, and he's like <laughs> you know your your sidewall is blown out, and you know the the reason why it was I kind of had emergency surgery was because it was sacular, so he explained to me because it's just the side and it's not. You know, on both sides, it's just the one side that, it, you know, it's much weaker, um, just like if you were driving around with, with you know, a, a bubble in your tire, mm-hmm. it's eventually going to blow out and you need to get it fixed. Um, it was, he, he sat down, he explained it with my wife and I very well. Um, I'm also fortunate enough to have a brother who's been working in healthcare and a very close friend who's a general surgeon. And I was able to call them and um, obviously without knowing all the details, my brother's friend was very concerned about why a thirty um, thirty nine, um, thirty-eight at the time, why a thirty-eight year old would need surgery for an AAA, that's very unlikely. And because I was only given out, you know, the non clinical stuff, he's like, that's not even big enough to recommend surgery. After he spoke to my you know, my surgeon he was like, well it's secular, it's he's thirty eight, this shouldn't be here. Um, they both agreed that surgery was probably the best option.
0: So you went through the surgery, was it that day or was it later that week?
1: Oh yeah, no, the timeline was I was in the hospital. I was in the ER about five, found out about eight o'clock, eight, eight thirty that I had the aneurysm and was in the OR by one.
0: Wow. So you said yeah. during that procedure, um, something ruptured.
1: Well, so it didn't rupture. So what happened was, so this was supposed to be an hour and a half surgery. Um, uh, I was sitting. You know, we got in. I probably started at around two. It was supposed to be an hour and a half. It wound up being a nine and a half hour procedure. Um, because what had happened was when they were cleaning out, the, when they were repairing the iliac, and this might not be a hundred percent, but it's going to be, I think, close enough. When they were repairing the iliac, a blood clot broke loose into the leg, and then not knowing that I was VEDS and understanding that there was something wrong because I had these aneurysms. At this point, they didn't really understand how fragile the arteries were. So when they put the balloon down the artery to try to clear the blood clot, every time they touched the side of the artery, it would kind of balloon out. So they Mm -hmm. were spent all this time trying to repair it. And they thought they had repaired it. However, um, my pulse on my left leg was a lot weaker than my right leg. So obviously, I was admitted to ICU that night when we watched it. Um, Everything seemed to be okay. I was home. And then a couple days later, I can't remember if it was a couple days or maybe a week, um, I got this really bad pain in my calf. And I came out um, of the bathroom with this really bad pain. And my wife was like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, you just don't look right. So I guess I'd gotten really clammy and pale. And my eyes just looked a little confused as I came out. I'm like, I just have a little pain. I'm I'm, I'm OK. And as I sat there, my toes started to get tingly. Um, it just so happened to be the same day I was supposed to be meeting with my cardiologist. Um, from a post-op follow-up, so I called them. and They said, look, should I come into you guys because you're urgent care, should I just go right to the ER? They said, just go to the ER. It's probably nothing, um, but then they did a CAT on my leg, and when they did the CAT on my leg, they saw a very large aneurysm, and at that point, my vascular surgeon came back in and was like, you know, they're we, just going to embolize this because it's not that important, and there's no reason to go back in to, to look at it and try to repair it, so they that so it was about a week later that I went back in for the analyzation.
0: So, did he suspect something was wrong at that point?
1: He did, he suspected something was wrong after the, the, the nine hours. Um, mm-hmm. he wasn't sure what. Um, I don't have most of the um, the, the, the signs. Um, so what we wound up doing was he's like, Look, I have no idea. He's like, But we know it's not Marfans. Um, and then when I went to see the geneticists, even they were like, they thought maybe Louis Dietz, because they're like, you don't, I'm not double jointed, my skin's not translucent, I don't have any, I don't really have any of the features. If anything, I'm stiffer than <laughs> anyone I know. Um, you know, I played football and wrestled my entire life. There's, there was no, no signs whatsoever. Um, uh, until I've done, you know, I look back in history, and we can talk about that. But mm-hmm. from from a from a visual standpoint, there was no signs at all that I that I had um, VEDs. And even when I started doing my research on genetic disorders, I even said, you know, maybe it's VEDs. Or like I don't think so. You don't really have any of the system, you know any of the any of the other uh, indicators. Um, mm-hmm. But it turned out that it did.
0: So then he he proceeded to do a genetic panel. Then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, the cardiologist did a, um, a genetic panel, and that's when I got the results about a month later.
0: How did that feel?
1: Um, scary. Um, it, 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 scary, but at the time, they made me feel comfortable. The The result aspect, um, I, I don't really like to say anything bad about any company, but they did not handle giving me my results in a very good manner. Um, apparently, they were going through a, a new EMR replacement, and I just happened to be one of the last patients that on the new system, and I got lost in the shuffle. And pretty much the way I found out that I had vascular illness was about a 30-second call before wrestling practice, because um, my son wrestled and I was a coach. Um, was, just so you know, your genetic results came back. You do have uh, vascular ulars danlos, and we're going to be sending you a packet in the mail. Um, and that was pretty much it. And I said, well, well I got a couple of questions. I did do some research. You know, the first thing you read is about life expectancy, and, you know, you Google vascular euler's danlos, and the first article that comes up is when a sneeze can kill you. You know, can I talk to you a couple of minutes? Because... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty you know threatening she's like um, yeah you know it seems like you did she's like I would try to stay off the internet um, we'll, we'll get you scheduled for you know a follow-up and once you get the the uh, the pamphlet the, the packet she's like because you know the internet always makes things sounds a little bit more dangerous than they are she's like this is a very serious condition but you know just you know don't try not to use the internet as your research and I was like okay so I waited and I waited and I waited for the packet, and it never came. So that was in January. So beginning of February, I I, uh, I called back and said, hey, look, I need this packet. I started doing all the research. I wanted to be a part of the support groups that you, know, you, you and I are part of. I was like, I need the results so I can join these groups and join these support groups. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. We'll send it out to you. So never sent that out again. And then on February 14th, I'm sitting with my wife, um, about 930 at night. And I get a call from New York City, and I don't know anybody in New York. So I'm like, all right, 212, let me answer this. I'm like, it's either someone trying to sell me warranty for my car or it's important. I answer it, and they're like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that your results came back in and that you do have vascular regulars down low. I'm like, well, I know this. I knew this <laughs> a month ago, I just need the packet. So they're like, "Oh, we're so sorry. You must have got lost in the thing. We'll let we'll let the doctor know, and we'll get, we'll get it all sorted out." And then about another four or five days later, the doctor calls me saying, "Oh, I heard that you um you didn't get your results back. Just so you know, you have access. so I'm like, you know what? I appreciate everything. <laughs> I'm like, just please, just I don't need the consult or the conversation anymore. Just email me my results, so I can." So they finally emailed me all the results. So I really haven't had a conversation with the geneticist about about it. Um, However, I do have an appointment for the, uh, I think next week or the week after, I'm going to be seeing the, I'm, I made an appointment with the geneticists um, at Mount Sinai in New York okay. um, so that we can, we can work with them so I can actually get a geneticist who's engaged on my side.
0: Wow. So you haven't had that conversation?
1: <laughs> nope, I haven't. So I'm still, you know, I'm still living in this, the, a, a bubble of everything's going to be okay anyway. <laughs>
0: Wow. That's crazy. Do you have a, um, so I think, uh, you mentioned with your aneurysm and with this diagnosis of VEDS that, you know, looking back, you can see some things, even though you don't have any of the like quote unquote outward signs, like the translucent skin and things like that. What, what are those things?
1: So the one that comes to mind right away is when I was a kid playing at the playground, we'd be on the monkey bars, we'd be on something high, and I'd jump off. And then all of a sudden, I'd get like a little bit of a pain and my foot would just start itching. And I would get what I called popping a vein. It would just, you know, the, the vein would just swell up, become very dark. Mm-hmm. It would last for, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes and it would go away. And people thought I was crazy when I'd say this. And I'm like, I don't, why, why am I crazy? And I'm like, that doesn't happen. I'm like, no, oh, you just don't, you just don't play hard enough. <laughs> I'm like, if if you did what I did, then I'm sure you'd have these things too. Never thought of it. Um, second thing, as I'm reading, and um, yeah, you know, I used to fall asleep with my eyes open, and scare the whole house. Um, that they thought yeah. I was dead, and I'd be sleeping peacefully, and they'd scream and wake me up. Um, other thing is, is now I'm starting to think, maybe well, I wasn't the toughest kid on the block, and maybe all of the stitches and all of the cuts that I had. From doing all the awesome stunts on my bike, maybe everybody else just fell and was fine, and you know maybe when everybody thought I was awesome because I be gushing blood from everywhere that I was the toughest kid in the neighborhood, and maybe I, you know, maybe, maybe I wasn't. Maybe my skin was just a little weaker than everybody else's. Um, but you know, those 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 are really the main things that that. Um, I've noticed since, since I've been, you know, since I know the, the the signs now is it's, it's, it was more, um, just simple little things.
0: Like little injuries and
1: just little, just little injuries.
0: Yeah. I can relate to that. I had, um, I have scars like all over my body from random, random things that, you know, at the time I was like, well, this is normal for me. Or I just like, I'm just a little too rough on my body, but you know, I looking back the same as you is like, Oh, maybe my skin was just too fragile
1: and that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. At one point, my, my mom had gotten questioned by child protective services for the amount of times we were in the ER from stitches or I tore my ACL and, um, I tore my ACL playing basketball. So I think that would have happened to anybody else. But now, you know, now those are the things that I question. Mm -hmm. Um, I know the breaking of the bones was normal, but, um, yeah, we we were in the emergency room so many times with just you know injuries that she she did get questioned once by.
0: So does anybody else in your family have this? That you think?
1: So yeah, so um, after I got diagnosed, um, my brother did get scanned and um, he he has some things going on that indicated that he probably has it as well. And you know, looking back, we're fairly confident that my father and his brother and his sister and probably my grandfather um, had it. Um, My aunt had a stroke when she was in her 30's. Um, Mm. But my aunt was a smoker and on birth control. So they attributed her smoking I mean her her stroke to her smoking and birth control and okay. they just let it go and so her her stroke was severe enough that she was in a wheelchair and never really gained her speech mm. she could talk but you know she always had her she never got the par- her par- her side of her face was paralyzed um, her entire life since she was 30 um, so when she had I forget where she had an aneurysm that finally um, when she passed um, but they just attributed it to her being in a wheelchair having the stroke you know, they never really dug any deeper into the fact that you know that it was just the time. And then my uncle, he died of a stomach aneur of a aortic aneurysm. Mm. He was already in the hospital at the time, and unfortunately, he um, he let drugs control his life, and he was he was he used cocaine a lot, and they just contributed his issues to you know, the the effects of, of drug use and never really researched it further. Mm-hmm. He just was in the hospital and um, I'm assuming was on a lot of blood thinners because he had just had a, I think, heart attack or something. And uh, he just, you know, passed. And then my dad, um, my dad and I are very similar in the aspect of he started having chest pains, um, but like more like heart attack chest pains. So... Going back again before I had my aortic aneurysm, about six months before that, I was admitted to the hospital overnight because I had one enzyme that was elevated. I was having chest pain. Mm-hmm. So they observed me for a heart attack. They ruled that I didn't have a heart attack, but because that one enzyme was like .001 over the threshold, they admitted me. And the same thing kind of happened to my dad where I had to get him. He had a you know, he had a whole bunch of tests done. Um, he was getting heartburn, and he was taking um, the antacids. And, um, a little bit after that, he had gotten into a car accident, head-on car accident, and died. So the um, the police, which I argue to this day, ruled it as he fell asleep because he drove from like the Poconos to the shore, back to the Poconos, back to the shore in one day, and they said that would make anybody tired, and he fell asleep. It happened at like 8 o'clock at night, and my dad was a DOT the, one of the heads of the Department of Transportation so mm-hmm. literally we live in in New Jersey we can have snowstorms that keep these guys up four or five days plowing so he didn't fall asleep driving so I figured it was a heart attack event at, at first I figured he was driving had a heart attack And um, but now looking back on things I'm you know I'm fairly confident he probably had a a, a rupture while he was driving um, they were all in their 50's but the, um, you know, my grandfather. However, he was. He, I think he was in his late seventies, oh, wow. um, early early eighties, and he was healthy as could be up until he. Um, about a year before he died, he just started having a lot of strokes, mm-hmm. um, and then at one, one day he had like four or five strokes in in a day. Um, all minor strokes, obviously, you you would know them. But he he just it got to a point where he'd wake up and he'd have and he'd have a stroke. Um, so I'm fairly confident. I think my grandmother, as sad as this is, just died of of being heartbroken. She was the last one. I mean, you mm-hmm. lost two kids and your, your husband, and yeah. you know, my dad unfortunately had to put her in a home because he just couldn't take care of her anymore. And you know, I I think she just finally you know decided. To, to go so i'm fairly confident this comes from my at least from my lineage my grandfather wow um, and then my uncle my other uncle who's still surviving he was probably he <laughs> i, I I'm a, we, we've always joked because he he was homeless at one point was an alcoholic did did, did a lot of drugs and we always we always joked that he must have pickled himself because how did he outlive the, the three other siblings that, you know, were relatively healthy and, you know, weren't homeless. And and so we just assumed that he pickled himself and was going to live forever. But now we're <laughs> probably thinking, well, he probably doesn't have feds mm-hmm. while the other three did. And that's, you know, probably really probably the ultimate.
0: So how has this changed your daily life?
1: Um, so... A lot of people are probably going to hate me when I say this. Um, it it ha- really hasn't. Um, what it has done is it has definitely given me more anxiety. It has definitely made me hyper aware of my pains inside my body. Um, but it doesn't... It's changed my wife a little bit where she doesn't let me do stupid things. Mm-hmm. Um Really stupid things because I used to do really stupid things. <laughs> um, like, I once blew up a blow up pool. I bought a blow up pool so I can jump off the deck because my friend and I thought it would be fun. Um, but what it has done is it's made me, um, made me hyper aware and hyper anxious. Like, when I have a gas pain, you know, it's now I'm deciding whether I'm going to the ER or I'm going to excuse myself into another room. Um, and you know, and then that that, that weighs on me. Like that, that can ruin a day, right? One one bad pain can, can ruin a day because I just sit there and, and it's on my mind for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. But then I can have great days like yesterday where, again, I do things that may anger people and probably anger doctors. But, you know, it was beautiful out. There was a lot of boats on the water. So I grabbed the jet ski and went out on the jet ski and started jumping some weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not – I haven't let it – from, from – doing things I haven't let this stop me from doing most things um, as soon as I got my results back obviously I pulled my son out of wrestling um, it's probably going to impact him a little bit more than it's going to impact me um, it's not it's not like the Tim McGraw song right it's not like I'm gonna go start doing skydiving and I'm gonna start doing all of you know these crazy things because <laughs> you know I don't know what the future is like but my wife and I, you know, we're in agreement and we're in an understanding that if, if if life is like a video game, after my event um, on the bonus level, meaning you know, I'm not going to do anything stupid to end it, but we know that we know that you know, that the bonus level can end at any time, and there's really no goal or objective, and you know, just not let it destroy us, but you know, make sure it doesn't end early either.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, do you plan on getting your son tested? Do you suspect that he has it?
1: We do. Um, so I suspect that he has it only because he has the exact same features my wife has. If if you were to look at myself or my wife, you'd be like, "Oh, my wife's definitely the one with it." Um, she she has translucent skin. She bruises easily. Um, so my wife or my son has those features, hmm. um, and it. it that's the other thing I guess that that really you know bothers me like especially when I wear my sunglasses I don't know why they just I guess they just illuminate the veins better um, but like we'll be outside and my son will have a shirt off and we will be playing and then I'll just look at him and I could just see every single vein in his stomach mm-hmm. and his chest and then I'm like oh man I and then that, that throws me off for a little bit um, but my only relief right now is that well my wife has that as well. And you know, just because you have translucent skin doesn't mean you have vets. It's just you know a sign that you could possibly have vets. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to get him tested. I'm, I'm going to meet with this geneticist first, and then we're going to plan all that. She's going to send us home a, a, a saliva kit. Um, whether or not we completely change everything he does is still up for question. I mean, obviously, we want him to live a, a, a life. Luckily, he played he, he wrestled because of me and he didn't want to wrestle. And I believe he played football because of me. He doesn't really like football. Um, but there are thir- certain things he wants to do. Like he wants to play basketball. He wants to play baseball. And I don't know if I would pull him out of every single sport because there's a possibility that a ball might hit him in the chest or because, I mean, because you, VEDS or not, you have these possibilities. Right? There there's been people that have gotten hit in the chest with a ball at the time their heart was beating and, you know, instantly died, and that's, you know, one of those things. So it's it's gonna be one of those things where I just I don't I don't know, I guess, until I know, which may be the reason why it's been this long that we've waited, which may not necessarily be such a great thing to admit, but I'm one of those people that if you can't not can't enjoy because I mean there's plenty of things to do to enjoy life. but my mom tried to put me in a bubble when I was a kid and it was not fun for me and it was not a happy thing until I got out of that bubble and I just my entire existence right now is to make sure my son is happy and
0: mm-hmm. so
1: it's gonna be difficult it's gonna be it's gonna be tough
0: And you're still kind of in this space where you haven't met with a geneticist yet. You haven't had those deep conversations about what it means and what, you know, the possibilities are and what to look out for other than what you've done research on. Right. Yep.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You're just kind of in this like space of uncertainty, really. Yep. Wow. Is there anything that you would want somebody to know who's newly diagnosed? I mean, you're pretty newly diagnosed yourself. Um, or anything that you've experienced that you want people who haven't experienced this to know?
1: Um, it's, it's scary. It's, um, it's, it's very scary. Um, what I'm going to say is it's probably been as my, my wife is extremely strong and it's probably been harder on my wife than it's been on me. Um, but it's hard for me because I read and I, I, you know, I'm I'm looking at all of the Facebook stuff and I'm looking at all of the people and, in all honesty, I don't I don't really relate. I don't. I had one, we'll call it one event because they're all kind of tied. I had one event and it was successfully repaired.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I don't. I haven't experienced the having to, you know have the multiple surgeries or, you know, having um, the dissections and I think right now for me it's a little bit easier not having all of that. And not that I wish or want anything else to happen, um, but I don't I don't know if I'm gonna understand the the life changing aspect of this until those those things mm-hmm. possibly happen if they do like I said the pain the pain scary the 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 um the experience that my wife has to go through is, is scary and you know I, I would say for me I just need to understand that you know my wife is going through the same thing that I'm going through and you know when she tells me not to lift up that case of soda she's doing it cuz she cares um and I you know sometimes you just have to accept the fact that you're not you're not what you're not who you were before you found out that you have vets and you just have to accept that you're going to have to do things for your family that you might not want to do or admit that you have to do and you know you're and when there are the random pains you know you have to make sure that you do what you feel comfortable doing if you know breathing and trying to wait it out a couple minutes makes you feel comfortable or if getting in a car or calling an ambulance and getting you right to the hospital makes you feel comfortable don't worry about what other people think or what the situation is just do what you have to do because you know we're, we're unique and um, people are there to help us
0: mm-hmm. thank you so much for sharing your story you're welcome especially so soon I'm really impressed with like I just can't get over the fact that you just found out this year.
1: It's big. It it is. It is. But I I want, I I think another, another thing is that I think if there was more awareness, we'd find out more people are living with us. And I think if there was more awareness, people would like, would, would doctors would make better informed decisions. Um, Yeah. A good example is I, I'm going. I, thanks to COVID, one good thing happened to COVID is I can get a telehealth appointment. I got a telehealth appointment with Dr. Shaloub, nice. which, which is awesome, um, because I've learned. Hey, the worst thing you could do for an abnormal uh, abdominal aortic aneurysm is to put a stent in. Well, my doctor didn't know that because he didn't know I had Vets. So right now, what I have in my, my aorta is a stent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know so i'm living with that like i don't i don't know what i should do should i go in for proactive surgery and get the stent you know bypassed or should i just live with it and and monitor it so um, i think if there's more awareness i think doctors would be able to make more informed decisions as well
0: absolutely and that's a really really great point and something that i've you know dedicated a couple years to now and I love Dr. Shaloub, and I'm sure that you will too. And that's really good that you're able to get a telemedicine appointment out of this whole, out of everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's really great. She's a, she has been a champion for our community. We have a several, we have several physicians who have really been champions and she's a big one. So tell her I said, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs> Thank you again so much, Daniel, for sharing your story.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: And thank you, everybody, for listening. This was Staying Connected. And this was Daniel sharing his story with VEDS. He was just diagnosed in January. So uh, kudos to, to Daniel. And thank you, everybody, for listening. It'll be another episode at the end of every month, the last Sunday of the month. So uh, take care, and we'll see you soon.